Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Michael Lockstanfor as he continues our latest sermon series, What's the Church For? A study in 1 Timothy. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the internet. We hope God uses it to both encourage and challenge you. We also ask you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. Have you ever met a Christian that's kind of a wet blanket? They don't seem to have a ton of joy propelling them in their walk with Jesus. Think about that person that doesn't know Jesus and when they meet this person. What kind of representative for Jesus is that? Many of the people we have met tell us, why on earth would I follow Jesus? There are all these things I have to stop doing, and you guys are a major bummer. Can you see the problem here? Pastor Michael is going to tackle this notion by walking us through many of the good things Jesus has for us, and there are a ton. How are we to enjoy the good gifts Jesus has given to us? Spoiler alert, God's good gifts are all about people. He has designed us for this. Let's listen in together as we learn we are for fully enjoying God's good gifts. There are times when you get up to talk to Kid Nation and you think you know exactly how it's going to go. And then they don't do what you think is good. <laughs> oh man! And and what a blessing too. Um, they provided all of the flower arrangements that you see in the in the room and the building this morning. That's such a blessing. Uh, as as a gardener, it makes my heart happy to see my kids ripping flowers out of the ground. Oh me. So Christmas time is special for kids. Um, and, and we don't really have to teach them how to be excited about it. Um, I know in our house we never taught our kids about Santa Claus, but they just kind of picked up on it and brought it in. And it's, it's interesting, the things that you don't have to teach kids when you're a parent. All the things that you do have to teach them, there's some things that you don't. Um, and one of them is to be excited on Christmas morning because they know they're getting presents. Um, and it's, uh, it's an unusual thing. It's a celebration. And we try to teach them why it's important. Um, but the fact of the matter is they're just excited. They're getting presents. They're getting gifts. Um, and, I, and, I, and I do see a distinct difference when we give them a present and when we give them homework. And yet, both of those things are for their good. They, they don't believe me when I tell them. Um, but it's true. And so we're going to be looking at this morning as we go through, I left the clicker back there. Hannah, you're going to have to click for me. As we go through 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be looking that we are for fully enjoying God's good gifts, that God gives us good gifts of all different shapes and sizes and kinds and colors, homework and Christmas presents. And our task, if we can call it that, is to enjoy the things that God has given us. Now, I'm going to be transparent with you, as I endeavor to always do, but the first time I went through this chapter, I had such a hard time 
tying these three different sections together and seeing what was the thread that tied them together. So as we go through it, I hope that I'll be able to show you where this joy ties in through and enjoying good gifts. But we're going to have to do some work as we go through together. So let's pray before we start, and then we'll open up to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and begin reading. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for a body, a family, a church to read and study it together. Lord, to practice these things. God, we pray that as we come to your word, God, that your spirit would speak through it. Lord, that you would speak clearly and that you would move us to follow you deeper. Lord, that we might know you better in an intimate way because of the time that we've spent here together this morning. Lord, we're grateful. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you need a Bible, I can hand you one. Anybody want a Bible to read along with? You can pull it up on your phone. I don't see any hands. I'm going to start reading. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and by prayer. So in this first section, we see that God means for us to enjoy his good gifts in life. Now we talked as we went through the first couple of chapters that as Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, he's a young pastor in a city called Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus had some folks that were teaching some stuff that wasn't necessarily on point wasn't consistent with what Paul had taught them, and it wasn't consistent with the Bible as we have it here. And so Paul is writing to say, hey, take these teachers that are teaching the false things and tell them to stop. And so here we get a little bit behind the curtain of some of the things that these people were teaching. And what's interesting is he says in verse 1 of chapter 4 that this is not a surprise to God. Um, he says, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of the demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. God's not surprised that there are false teachers in the church because God knows that demons lie. And it seems kind of silly <laughs> to have to point that out, but, but here it is. Like, what is happening in the world, there are is God, and then there are beings who have rejected God and want to work against his purposes. And one of the ways that they do that is they take the truth, and they'll bend it just a little bit, and turn it into a lie. And God knows that this has happened. The Spirit expressly says that this is going to happen. We shouldn't be surprised. So Paul's going to continue to give, him some, give some instructions to Timothy to watch himself, watch how he teaches as we go through the series or as we go through this chapter this morning, but this isn't new news. Demons lie. God knows it. He was ready for it, and he's already told us that it's going to happen. So they will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars who consciences are seared. 
And these false teachers, the people who uh, Paul here and the Spirit through Paul is calling liars, they have false standards. Um, and these false teachers with their false standards, what does it say that they're prohibiting? In verse 3, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So he's saying, hey, these people, these people who are teaching, they're teaching that you shouldn't get married. Like, don't. And it's not really clear. There's a couple of different people at this time who had different teachings about this. And so it's not clear whether he's saying that they were saying, if you are married, you have to get divorced and we should all be celibate and are and like separate little monks, like off isolated. Or if it was just, if you're not married, don't get married. Either way, these people were teaching against marriage and saying that it's against God's will for people to get married. Well, God gave marriage as a gift, a good gift. Marriage is a good gift, amen? I tried to prep you up for that. I know your spouse isn't here this morning, so she won't be able to hear. Marriage is a good gift, right? Amen. Yeah, it's not without difficulty. It's not that it's always easy, but it is a good gift. There is a lot of joy in sharing your life with another person in unbridled intimacy. They get to see every part of your soul. That's a good gift. It's a scary gift, yes. <laughs> but it's a good gift. I have here, and I, I have here, some assembly required, terms and conditions apply. We'll see the next section for details. <laughs> but God gives good gifts. Marriage is a good gift. And, and, and he's saying that they also are teaching abstinence from foods. There are people who were teaching, if you, don't do, if you don't eat this one food, then you'll be holy. If you don't drink this one drink, then you'll be holy. And they're is teaching through the Bible that's consistent with some of that, but they're saying if you touch any of it, you're done. You're not actually a Christian if you eat these certain foods. And we don't have to go into how we hear this in our culture. Um, we had some really fun conversations for a couple of months with Mormons, and we would politely put our coffee maker away because that was offensive to them when they came into our house. But to teach that these foods, like by eating these foods, that you're no longer in the will of God, it's, it's, it's false. God gave good gifts to enjoy. God gave us coffee to enjoy it, right? Yes. Yeah, y'all know about coffee. You're not sure about marriage, but y'all know about coffee. <laughs> oh, me. So, in enjoying these good gifts, like I said, uh, terms and conditions apply, some assembly required. These good gifts are meant to be enjoyed in a framework that God gave us. Um, one of the great joys of marriage is sex. And sex, if we take that outside of the bounds of marriage, it becomes perverted. It becomes really, really hard and sticky. You work with people who are really, really messed up and really angry about their sex lives because they've broken the rules. And you're saying, well, that's not really how God meant for it to work. You're trying to make something work when you've completely taken it out of the con. It's like, I took my engine out of my car, and I'm really mad that it won't turn the wheels. It's not connected to the wheels. It's not going to work. So when God gives good gifts, it's not just that we get the good gifts and we rip it out of the package and we just start using it however we want to do. Like, guys, we're going to have to read the instructions. We're going to have to use it as directed. 
But that doesn't mean it's, not, it's without joy. See, there's times where we look at the, the, the limits and the terms that God gives us in our life, and we say, that just sounds like you're trying to get rid of the fun. And this is me. Like, this is my own thing. And I'm so blessed to work with Pastor Ryan, who's not here this morning, because he knows this. This is, this is a gift that's inherent to him, that he sees joy in the Christian life. And he challenges me to not be so bummed out that we get to follow Jesus. Like, that is a good gift. Let's continue. First Timothy chapter 4, beginning verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you have followed, having have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, for to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. You're going to click a couple there, Bean. There you go, you got it. You're on point. So God means for us to live a good life now and forever. See, Paul starts in, in, chapter, uh, in chapter 4, verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Hey, Timothy, you're a young pastor. There's a lot of pressures on you and what you're supposed to do with these people. You've got a group of people here looking at you, and I've left you with a job to do. Timothy, if you want to do a good job, just remind people that God gave them good gifts to enjoy. You're going to do a good job if you remind people to enjoy the good gifts that God gave you. And then he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself from God, for godliness. It says, there's a lot of things that you can get hung up on. There's a lot of questions in the Bible that simply aren't answered. There are things that you look at and, and you go, that doesn't quite make sense. I wonder what that means. And you can go down a rabbit trail that you'll follow for weeks and weeks and weeks if you go deep enough. And it's not saying that, this, that, that the scripture is silly, but there are things that you can get hung up in trying to relate to that will distract you from what I've left you to do. And one of these things appears to be genealogies for Timothy. Now, how many people are super into the genealogies? You are? Um, it's not my thing. And when I get to passages like the beginning of Luke or we get into the early chapters of Genesis, there's a genealogy there. I'm like, do I have to read this? Like, I can't even read these names. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. But I, I never, I'll never forget there was a missionary one time who was telling me that he had gone into a, a, a tribe um, over in, in South Asia. And he was trying to figure out, he, he'd spent years with them trying to learn their language so that he could translate the Bible into, his, into the language. And he was praying, like, God, where do I start? How do I start to teach the Bible to people who have never had any exposure to it at all? And he just felt God leading him to go to the beginning of the New Testament. Start in Matthew 1. And so he started in Matthew 1. And when he got to the genealogies, he saw these people come alive. They realized that the things that he was teaching them, it wasn't just this pie in the sky like God does this stuff, this spirit deity. They were familiar with that. But when he got to the genealogies, they realized 
These are real people. This is a family. God worked in actual history to accomplish his purposes. And that stuff can be exciting. And it seems like the kind of thing that Timothy really got into and maybe got a little bit too far into. And so Paul's saying, hey, genealogies are cool. God is actually working in real history, but you tracing those things out beyond what Scripture has given you is, might be a little bit of a distraction for the ministry that I've left you to do. So train yourself in godliness. So what is godliness? Verse 8, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. So Paul is, Paul is sure. He says this saying is trustworthy. You can believe this. You can fully accept that training in godliness is for value in every way. Um, that it's not just being, living a godly life now is, is just an investment in the future. But also living a godly life now means that you get to enjoy those good gifts in the way that God meant for it to be. So godliness, is that like the most exciting word that you've heard this week? When somebody says, I want you to go out into the world next week and be godly, like, are you really excited? Like, that's the kind of thing that you're chomping at the bit to go do. Judging by the silence, the answer is no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what we might call a sexy word. It's not something that we're super excited. It's not like sexy, like community and intentionality and love. Like we like those things, but to go and live a godly life, it sounds kind of boring. We get the idea of monks and people who are just living pious and denying themselves all these things. But those people have missed that God gave us good gifts to enjoy. Sometimes the Old Testament law gets a bad rap. Because there's a lot of things that they say you cannot do. But one of the things that you miss, if you read the Old Testament law in that way, that just sees it as a bunch of rules and limits, is that God is demanding, God is insisting, God is requiring that his people go to his house and have a big party three times a year. God wants us to enjoy him. There's solemn moments of that when we come face to face with our sin and God has to deal with our sin and we have to find forgiveness in him. But he has dealt with that once and for all in Christ. But when we look back at how those people had to come year after year and atone for their sins, like even in the midst of that, there was a festival. They took time off work to go and party with other people in the nation to follow God. The godliness was going to a party in honor of God. What are you celebrating that God is doing in your lives today? Train yourself for godliness. It's for benefit for now. Yeah, we enjoy having the party, but it's also an investment into the future. Like if you get to heaven and there's a party going on, hey, spoiler alert, there will be, and you don't know how to party in God's presence, like... You're going to have to learn. You'll get there eventually, and that's okay. We'll be patient with you at that point. We'll all be perfect, so it'll be a really, really good party. But training for godliness now is an investment in the future, too. It's, it's what we learn how to do. If we learn how to enjoy God, 
now than when we get into eternity and this sin stuff is all taken care of and all of the effects of it are gone, then we have less, quote-unquote, work to do. We're less surprised when we meet God face-to-face. I didn't think you were like that. Because, hey, if you believe in Jesus, you've trusted him, and you want to say, like, yes, I want to go to heaven forever, who's going to be there? Jesus? You want to know who that guy is before you move into his house for the rest of forever. Right? How many of you have had house guests that you didn't know beforehand, and that as you got to know them, you wish you hadn't invited them? Jesus knows you. He's got your resume. You're not going to fool him. He knows what he's getting into. But do you know what you're getting into? Our good work here is an investment for the future. Um, and God's good life, the good life, it also involves hard work. How does, how does Paul describe the ministry of the gospel? Look there in verse 10 real quick. For to this end we toil and strive. It's hard work to enjoy God. It's hard work to do what God has asked you to do, but there is joy in it. For to this end, we toil and strive. Why? Because we have set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Let's continue reading. In verse 11. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example to but set an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So God, in, God means for us to use our good gifts to serve others. Here's, here's kind of an intimate moment. We get some of these in the Bible, where, where Paul almost kind of takes Timothy aside and puts his arm around his shoulder and says, Hey, Timothy, this is what you've got to do. It's going to be hard. We're toiling and we're striving. But this is what you've got to do. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example. Say, Timothy, you're a young guy. There's older guys that you're going to be responsible to lead. And that's intimidating. And yet, set an example for them. He's going to get into, in the following chapters, how to talk to, to, to those different people that he's supposed to lead, and we'll get into that, and that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. But he's saying, hey, don't, don't be ashamed that you're so young, because God has called you and is using you and has put you in a place where you're supposed to do this. Set an example in conduct. Do what's right. In love, be patient with other people. In faith and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. What are you devoted to, Timothy? Um, one of the things, one of the privileges that I've had to do um, over the last couple of years is to, to set up our worship gatherings, to plan our worship gatherings and what we do when we gather together. Um, and one of the things that as we started, I said, we really need to read Scripture 
And I don't know if when you came in, it was, when you first started attending with us, it struck you as odd. It struck me as odd, because I didn't grow up in a tradition that did that very much. They would do it regularly, but especially not long portions of scripture. I said, no, like, I want us to be devoted to reading scripture together out loud. I think that the spirit of God moves through the reading of scripture in a way that maybe we don't get when we just hear it by ourselves in our prayer closet. There's something about it being read out loud audibly when we're gathered together as people that it moves us. And that's one of the things that has been a blessing to me. When I go and visit with other churches or I'm with other bodies, that's one of the things I'm like, hey, your singing was great, but we didn't read any scripture. Your band was awesome and the lights were great, but where's the Bible in what you're doing? And I don't say that as a criticism of other churches because I trust that God is leading those people in those ways, but that's something that has come to mean a lot to me. And I know that I'm, I'm biased towards that. That's my own experience. Um, but I do hope that those times that we take those awkward scriptures even, the ones that don't seem to fit, that, that are hard sayings from the Old Testament, that the God is speaking through those too to exhortation, to encouragement. Hey, Timothy, you're going to have to encourage people. Life is hard, and they're going to forget that God has given them good gifts, so be sure to remind them. And teaching. You have the privilege of studying. Don't keep it all for yourself, but share it with other people. He's a set an example. And his practice, the things that he does, is for others to see, which, which makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if this makes you uncomfortable. He says, do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. So he says, hey, look, the other leaders that are in the church, those people were a part of recognizing God's spirit on you and, and asking you to step into this. Like, this is not just you stepped up and you applied for the job and somebody rubber stamped you. This is the guys came together and prayed about it and examined you and now you've been put into this place. And so now you do your work. You do your ministry because, they've get, because God has given you a gift to give to other people. And you do all of this why or you do all this knowing, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Hey, church, your pastor's in progress. Where we have been over the last three years has been progress. Where Pastor Todd started three years ago is different from where Pastor Todd is this morning. Where I was three years ago is different where I was. And it would be different three years from now. It would probably be different next month. When you... Working with people, we're all in progress. And so there's times where we're frustrated and we're angry, but hey, we're a part of growing together. And church, sometimes you get the blessing of seeing somebody else's progress in the faith. I hope that when we sit together next year, you'll, my speaking will be better. <laughs> I will have made progress in that. Or I will have made progress in training other people to lead music. Whatever that is for me, my question is, what is that for you? What does your progress look like? What are the benchmarks for you? That's one of the big privileges of being here, too, is getting to see your progress. Because Timothy's practice was for others to see. The work that you're doing in your relationship with God is going to come out one way or the other. 
If that's an area that you're neglecting, it's going to come out. If that's an area that you have devoted yourself in, immersed yourself in, it's going to come out. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. So he's not the only beneficiary for good teaching. He's, remember, he had started all of this off with, hey, there's guys that are teaching wrong. He's saying, hey, Timothy, you've got to be careful that you don't fall into this. You've got to work hard and devote yourself to the good teaching. You've got to check yourself. But it's not just for you. Hey, there's a great benefit of being able to prepare these sermons and being able to study God's Word and being able to think through ideas in a way that to share them with other people. There's a benefit to that, but it's not just a benefit to me. It's a benefit to you. For by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We will all be moving closer to Jesus by what He's doing. But those are gifts that God gave to Timothy in particular to speak and to teach, to lead. He doesn't necessarily give all of those gifts to everybody. That's why we read Romans 12. There's a whole bunch of different gifts. All of them are to be used to the measure that God has given them to us. That's one of the reasons why we take so much time for what we call the fellowship break or the fellowship time. We, want, we know that God has given people the gift of encouragement. We know that God has given people um, gifts to encourage other people. And so we give that time so that if you need to go, if God is moving you to go and pray with somebody, then you have space in a worship gathering to do that. We can all exercise our gifts together. We get to practice here on Sunday morning. We get to practice. And then we get to go out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday to a bunch of people who have no idea what we're doing here on Sunday morning and show them to encourage them, to engage with them in a way that's meaningful because we've practiced with other people who are going to give us a lot more grace than folks who don't know Jesus, right? This is our practice. This sets the thermostat for what we're doing in the rest of the week. I, I made a very small change in how I thought about my week a couple of years ago, and it's made a big difference. Rather than, uh, and I hate Mondays, like I go to work on Monday and it's just bad. I need all the coffee on a Monday. I didn't even get an amen, wow. <clears throat> um, <laughs> but, I, but I had always thought of Monday as the beginning of the week, as the first day of the week. But hey, if I look at the calendar, like Sunday is you know, listed first. That always saw where the weekend ought to be grouped at the end, right? But I don't see it as the weekend anymore. I see Sunday as the first day of the week. This sets the pace for the rest of how the week is going to go. How we practice here is what we're going to do in the, in the community as we go out. So is this forming us? Is our time here together forming us to look more like Jesus so that we are more recognized as Jesus' representative in the world when we go out? I'll tell you one more quick story as we close. And this is, a, this is definitely a pastor story. This is one of those things in life that it happens and it doesn't actually like everybody, it just happens and, and nobody else thinks about it except for the pastor in the room. He's like, I'm going to use that as an example. So I was sitting and having a conversation and we were talking about spiritual warfare and we we're talking about temptation. And this person was saying, you know, well, I, th I hope that Jesus delivers me from this temptation. And as they were getting up to leave, they said, Jesus, I pray that you would open this door so that I can go out through it. I can walk through this door. And I thought, oh. 
Jesus isn't going to open that door. Like, she just prayed, and I don't think Jesus is going to do that. And I got up, and I walked across the room, and I opened the door. So who opened the door? Who answered the prayer? I did, I, it's, it's one of those weird pastor stories. It's like, I don't know. Are you making something out of nothing, Michael? And I get that. Like I'll, 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 but I do think that that's kind of how Jesus works in the world. There are times where people around you are praying for somebody to sit and listen. I just wish somebody would understand. And you can be that ear. But it's when somebody calls upon Jesus, do you recognize that you are his ambassador in wherever it is that you are? Because God means for us to use his good gifts, whatever good gifts and insight and knowledge that he has given to you, in whatever measure that he's given to you, use those things to serve others. Because we are the church. What is church for? We are the church, and we are for fully enjoying God's good gifts. Not hoarding them for ourselves, not using them how they weren't intended, but using them to serve other people and to be a blessing to the community that we're in. At work, in your family. And we all have different ways that that's going to work itself out, but that's what our call is. We're for fully enjoying God's good gifts. So we'll take some time now and, and spend some time reflecting after I pray. I'd encourage you uh, to answer that prompt on the back of your connection card this morning. God, how's God speaking this morning? Um, and if you have any prayer requests that we can pray with you, then um, leave those in the basket in the entryway as we go out. Let's pray together.